Hello and welcome back to the Flex. Merry Christmas, everyone. It's Matt St. Jean here with Joe Howie. Uh, we thought we were going to have, well, we, we did have a nice episode for you last week that came out right before Providence's game against Georgetown got uh, canceled. And then now it's back to postponed. So the Friars had a win. Now it's taken off. Big East changes their policy. Now the Friars are back this Wednesday, 7 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. They're going to take on Seton Hall in a ranked battle at the dunk. Joe, this is this is what we live for right here. Ranked basketball at the Dunkin' Donut Center. Do you know the last time that the Dunkin' Donut Center had a game between two ranked teams? 2016 January or February against Xavier? Uh, not against Xavier. You're close. That was February. It was against Villanova, which, oh. fun fact, I was actually at that game. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, it was the number 11 Friars hosting the number three uh, Villanova Wildcats. Villanova got off to a 10 nothing lead to start that game. That was about it. That uh, was the year that the Friars actually beat Villanova at Wells Fargo that year in a game with no crowd because of snow. So that was a, a weird one. But... I digress. That's 2016. Let's talk about what is the last game in 2021 for Providence. Friars ranked at 21 this week in the AP poll. Seton Hall holding at 15. How do you like the Friars' odds in this one? I'm not going to lie, Matt. I really like the Friars' odds for tomorrow night. It's been 18 days, or not, excuse me, not 18 days. It's been 10 days since the 18th which is when the Friars last played against UConn. How many days has it been since Seton Hall's played, Matt? 17, 18? What was that in the press conference this morning? They haven't played since December 12th. So when this game is played, it'll be 17 days. Really challenging my math skills here. 17 days since their last game, which was a home win against Rutgers. Yeah. So I honestly, I just think, I think there's a good thing about time off, but I also think there's a bad thing about time off. And there's something to be said about too much time off. I think 10 days toes the line, um, but 10 days is still fewer than 17. So I think Providence comes in a little bit more crisp, a little bit fresher than Seton Hall, regardless of all their time off. We're also at home at the dunk, which as of right now, knock on wood, is still open for fans. So I will be there tomorrow. But I, I just I think the Friars, uh, you know, we're coming off of the best win of the season at Connecticut. Um, I think this game is going to replicate that game in a, a lot of defensive molds. But at the end of the day, I, I really like the Friars for tomorrow. Yeah, I think you talk about the UConn game and the way it could replicate it. That's that's exactly what I see when I'm looking at the scouting report for this one. This is a Seton Hall team that doesn't shoot the three ball and won't let you shoot it either. They're big, they're physical, and that's what the Friars are for the most part. I think these two teams are very evenly matched in a lot of ways. They're both big. But before we really get into this, I think it's worth noting here that Ed Cooley confirmed earlier today that there are positive cases within the Providence program, which means assuming this game is still played, uh, the, the new Big East guidelines are you need seven scholarship players and a coach to be able to play. Assuming this game gets played, the Friars are going to be shorthanded. Who? We have no idea. They don't have to release that information. We're not going to know until the game starts at 7 o'clock who's not playing, or probably a couple minutes beforehand when we see who's not with the team when they're warming up. And rumors coming out of Seton Hall is that 
they may be down a couple players too. So we're going to give you this this game preview, but there is a, a somewhat decent chance that between now and when this game is played, the uh, the rosters for both teams are going to change potentially substantially. I mean, we could be talking about X factors for one of these teams. All of a sudden, that game, that guy may not suit up. That's that's where we're at for college basketball this year. So it's a crazy season. And I think this is going to test the mental toughness of the Friars in a big way because you got to go out there knowing you're going to be shorthanded and you're not 100% sure what the other team is going to show you either. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Matt. Um, even just last night, the only game that I could watch was Syracuse-Brown. Like, that was the only game on for men's college basketball last night. And then when it was over, there was nothing else on. So, um, I, I just, I, and we said this off the mic, I hope that it's not one of our top five guys. Because I, I think realistically, if the Friars are going to win this game, you need Watson, you need Horkler, you need Durham, you need Reeves, and you need Manaya. As we've seen, Bynum is integral, but he is, I won't say interchangeable, but he is... uh, Durham can serve as a substitute at the one. It's not preferable Mm -hmm. for the entire season, but if need be, he can do that. So that's why I I don't include Bynum in that top tier of who we really need. But I think if there's one player that is integral to tomorrow's game, it's Justin Minaya defensively. And and I say that because Seton Hall's leader is Jared Roden, who basically fits the Justin Minaya mold of a forward who can play big, who can play small, and is just pesky on offense. Minaya's pesky on defense. Oh yeah, and this is this is the what Seton Hall, the, the, what's the way their team is built? Jared Roden, who's a first team preseason All Big East nominee, he's six six. He's the best player on this team. He scores almost seventeen points a game. And you look down the lineup: Kadari Richmond. He's in his first year for Seton Hall. He played at Syracuse last year. A guy the Friars wanted. He's their assist leader. He's a good three-point shooter. He's 6'6". I would not be shocked to see him and A.J. Reeves matched up. They have Alexis Yetna, who's 6'8". He's I mean, that's a physical guy. And coming off the bench, Miles Kale. I'm sure you know that name. He's been around for forever over there. Yeah. So that's... That's the way Seton Hall is going to be. They're going to be big. They're going to be physical. And I don't forget Tyree Samuel, who's one of their big 6'10". I'm sure Watson's going to draw that assignment. So I think from a team structure perspective, it's going to be one of those interesting games where if Bryce Aiken is going to be the point guard for Seton Hall, he'll match up size-wise very well with Durham or especially Bynum. And then both teams are going to have three guys in the wing forward mold. And a true center. <laughs> it's going to be almost one for one matchups on both ends of the floor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Basically. Um, and we've seen this at points in the season, too, where you go one true guard, three wings and a big man, which is a lineup that is not foreign to Ed Cooley. I, I think the 2016, 2017 Friars had Kyron Cartwright at the point, And then yet Diallo, Lindsay and Bullock all at the wing spot. And then. Emmett Holt at the center and even Emmett Holt could be could be considered a wing just by height alone. But this is a lineup that Ed Cooley likes. He likes positionless guys because they fit into the flex mold easily. They fit into his defensive schemes easily. So Mm -hmm. if it comes to that, I wouldn't hate it, you know. No, Um, I think one of the things that's really interesting about the Seton Hall team when you study them is that for as much as the Friars have talked about, like Jared Bynum has improved in his second year in Providence. 
the second you're playing yes, he in has. Providence. He's undersized guard playing in the Big East who's finally finding his stride and how he fits in. Seton Hall is one of their own and Bryce Aiken. He got hurt last year in their game at Louisville, missed a long stretch of the season. Uh, he only played 14 games for them last year, didn't get a start. This year, he has essentially doubled his scoring average from last year. It's not quite what he had at Harvard, but he's doubled his scoring average. He is finally rebounding again a little bit. His assist numbers are up a little bit. He's getting steals again. He's turning the ball over less. Like he's, he's starting to figure things out, and he's been healthy for them this year. So that's huge. Both of these teams have that undersized point guard who can really give them a lot on offense and is finally coming into their own in the conference. Yeah, I love undersized point guards just as an objective blanket statement. I, I Regardless of the team, I, I think undersized point guards are so undervalued with respect to national attention. Undersized lefty point guards, forget it. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm excited for the undersized matchup between hopefully Bynum and Aiken. Um, I think Bynum showed against Connecticut, you know, He's upped his defense in the time off. Like he was poking the ball away, got a couple of steals. So no. I, I like those gritty small matchups. But I do think that if you put Durham on Aiken, Durham has the size, the clear size advantage. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. That and that's an area. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what Seton Hall does because Bryce Aiken, he's played a lot this year, but he's also only started two games. They've gone with Jameer Harris. They've gone with Kadari Richmond. They've had a couple different options. This the Seton Hall team has had. So we'll see how they actually decide to go and match up against the Friars. Now, last year when these two teams played, I talk about two very differing games when they met the season opener, Big East opener, you had A.J. Reeves hitting that late three to give the Friars the win. And you come back at the end of the year, and that's where you really saw that size from Seton Hall. Providence did not have an answer. Got held to 43 points at home. Do you think that the Friars have changed and proved enough on offense to not have a repeat of that 43-point performance? Offense and defense, Matt. I think if you look at um, just the the – excuse me, the structure of the entire schedule last year, that loss to Seton Hall came at a time when the Friars were playing some of their worst basketball. Uh, It was either preceded or followed by the the blowout at home against St. John's. So that was a Friars team that just, despite the talent on the roster, was not holding their own. It was a COVID year. There was a lot going on. I I think this year, in terms of overall size, we're bigger. Overall talent, we're better. And defensive composure, like it's it's severely been improved. The highest amount of mm-hmm. points that we've given up this season is 73. Otherwise, in the past, what is it, three or four performances, we've held teams to less than 58. I think that's impressive, especially teams like Connecticut, Texas Tech. Like these games are low scoring. They're ugly and they're defensive. And our offense works as needed. We're not blowing teams out, but we're not all we're also not seeing these droughts that we used to see yeah. with these Ed Cooley teams. Exactly. This is uh, the, the defense has not allowed more than 70 points in December. Not once. The last time they hit 70 was the St. Peter's game. St. Peter's scored 71. And you go before that, the Virginia game, Virginia only scored 58. That game against Virginia was very reminiscent of the game Providence had against Seton Hall last year, but it's also the only letdown 
that the Friars have really had on offense. 40 points in that one. They've been held below 60 just one other occasion, which was at UConn. That's another defensive battle. But this is a game against Seton Hall, just with the profiles of both teams. I think first team to 60 might win. Heck, first team to 50 might win. Your offense might get shut down, but I think your defense is going to do a lot to offset it, too, like you were saying. I wouldn't say the offense gets shut down per se. I mean, I understand where you're coming from with that. I'd say the offense doesn't look pretty. Like you're not going to be draining threes. You're not going to be pulling up from the mid range. It's going to be dirty, ugly baskets in the paint, which is Nate Watson's forte. So, like, yes, the offense isn't going to be as flowing or, or as pretty as people would like to see. But it'll still be there. Like, I don't think Seton Hall has the defensive capabilities to just completely shut us down, you know? Yeah, and I I think that's... No, and that's also kind of going to be one of the tests here. Like, we know at this point in the season, Providence is a good team. Seton Hall is a good team. Early on in conference play, this is where you really find out what you're made of. We know that both, like, we've seen these teams against opposing teams before. We know they're about in the same tier in all likelihood. That's what AP voters think. They're only six six spots apart. That's what the metrics think. Metrics have this as a really, really close game. So it's probably going to be a close game. I don't think there's a wrong prediction to make here. It's really going to be a testament to the toughness and the coaching and just the execution of these players to grind it out and turn it into a victory. I mean, this is both teams are going to have chances for it. I would not be shocked if these two teams split on the season either. They're mirror images of each other. So when that's the case, you know you're probably going to get two tough games against the same team. You want to win the home one because you don't want to have to go to, go to the Prudential Center later this year needing the victory. Get the home one now. And then if you lose at the Prudential Center, who cares? It's not a big deal. You already, you already beat them once. You already beat a top 15 team. I agree. I, I always think as a, a good mantra in conference play is you got to win at home. You know, no, no matter what, you should win all your home games. Now, obviously, that doesn't always happen, as we've seen He's plenty of times in done. years past. <laughs> like, I, I remember one year we won at Villanova and lost at home to Villanova. I mean, again, you'll take the road win because at the end of the day, that is better for your metrics. But Ideally, you want to win all your home games. You know, you sell out the crowd. It's a majority Friar fans, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You want to win at home. You want to win tomorrow. Yeah, that's and that's what it comes down to, especially we don't know what the next couple of weeks and months are going to look like. We know that you're playing in front of fans at home. So take advantage of that. Assuming this game gets played, go out there and give it your best and win it. This is it's only going to get harder whether it's at home or on the road, the way things are looking right now. So just go win this game. You got to go out there and do that. Side note, we were ta- you're talking about the Seton Hall defense. I just looked this up. Seton Hall has also not allowed more than 70 points since before December. <laughs> Both teams are in the same boat here. They've, they've allowed less than 70 for four straight games. And they're, it's funny, their 70-point game was Bethune-Cookman that scored that against them. And a very similar, yeah, exactly. Bethune Cookman of the SWAC conference, Southwestern Athletic Conference. They won that game eighty, yeah, eighty-four to seventy at home. Very similar score to what the Friars had with St. Peter's. So this is uh, this is a Seton Hall offense that has not been shut down at any point this year. 
The lowest they've scored is 62, and that was against Cal on a neutral floor. The defense has also been pretty pretty steady all year long, but they haven't had the toughest of competition. They've played at Michigan and won. This is a Michigan team that has not looked very good, and they did beat Texas at home. That's a big win. Texas is good. They held a good Texas team to 60 points. So I think that's your task here. That's two games ago, and that was December 9th for them. So that's going to be three weeks ago when they play. Is it the same team? We have no idea. Yeah, we will likely see. And you also have to, uh, again, adjustments are going to be huge here. Because if if Seton Hall comes out here and one of these starters is out, they can't play, they're in the COVID protocols, then, yeah, on paper, that's going to make Seton Hall a worse team. But you also build a game plan around, all right, we're going to do this. Maybe Seton Hall comes out and does something different. And if that's the case, you have to be able to adjust to whatever that is. That's that's the nature of basketball right now. This is going to be a game, Matt, that as we talk about it more and more, I start to realize it's going to be determined by reserves and the bench. Like, sure, Nate Watson can have a great game, but if Ed Croswell does his job, if Justin Manaya comes off the bench and does his job, like if the guys that come off of the bench do their job, or if the guys who normally come off the bench are asked to start, then and they do their job, then you win. And I think that's universal to both teams. You're going to have to rely on your depth to win this game. Exactly. Exactly. That It's absolutely huge here. Now, I do want to throw it back, because I think we've talked in pretty in-depth about this one. Do you remember the last time the Friars beat Seton Hall at home? Was this... Oh, Valentine's Day game. The pink out. Yep. With was it eight, uh, Alpha Diallo having he had a thirty point game in that one, right? Thirty five points, five from, from five from beyond the arc. Yeah, he was. That was a lot. That was the game where the Friars were up like thirty to eight, too. A couple of minutes in, I believe uh, twenty four to two was the the score at the under sixteen, if I'm not mistaken, it, it, or twenty four two, something like that. Yeah, that was that was a crazy game down the stretch. Um, yeah, that was Student Saturday, February fifteenth, twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. Then Seton Hall came back in the second half. Yeah, the Friars went on a twenty eight to three run in that one at one point. That's just yeah. It was it was twenty eight to five, and then later it was thirty two to eight, thirty four to nine. Yeah, that was a absolutely ridiculous game. The Friars held on to win against a very good Seton Hall team that year. That was in that stretch where they beat a bunch of ranked teams. So, I mean, that's, again, it's an opportunity for a ranked win. Friars can do it again. You already have a ranked win against UConn. You beat Wisconsin on the road, which they weren't ranked at the time. They were without Johnny Davis, but that still looks good. Just you got to keep piling them up. That's going to help your resume. Friars right now in bracketology are a five seed, and and they have opportunities to move up even further from there if you perform in games like this. See, that's what's so great about the Big East Conference, and especially a year like this year when the conference is up. You know, opportunities to keep improving your national resume are in front of you. However, I, I do think that the the downside to being ranked because the Friars are 21 now is you have a target on your back. So the opportunities for your to worsen your national resume are also in front of you. 
take, for mm-hmm. example, DePaul. It, say yep. for argument's sake, Providence beats Seton Hall. That's two ranked victories in a row. DePaul's going to want a piece of the pie. They, they, they're going to want to say, hey, let's beat 21 ranked Providence because that helps us. It doesn't yeah. necessarily and, and look even, bad for us because DePaul's a decent team this year, but I digress. The the target's on your back. And the Friars, I mean, if you lose this game to Seton Hall, DePaul's going to smell blood on the water. In the water on Saturday, you know they're going to come out swinging. And what I think is going to be their first Big East game with the cancellations that have happened, that might be their second. I have to double check what the schedule actually looks at looks like at this point. But yeah, they're going to have a chance. And this is a DePaul team that beat the Friars last year and sent them to double overtime at home the year. Uh, no, sent them to double overtime at home last year as well, and almost beat the Friars in 2020. On that was that right after New Year's Day, a game with Nate Watson hitting the free throw at the end to give Providence the win. This is a DePaul team that's played the Friars tough recently, and they're better than they were those two years. So the last thing you want after a loss is to turn around and be like, all right, now we got to go on the road to Chicago and play at DePaul, which I can't believe those words are coming out of my mouth. But that's not going to be an easy game. You can't you can't sleepwalk in there and go get a win. Let's save and, the DePaul can... talk for uh, Thursday. Yeah. yeah. Well, and again, this is all assuming this this Providence Seton Hall game gets played as of 4 p.m. on Tuesday when we're recording this. The game is scheduled. The last time we did one of these, by the time the podcast was up, the game was canceled. So if that happens again, our apologies. But yeah. I think we've I think I've said pretty much everything I wanted to on this one. Do you have anything else you want to add? Uh, one final note. Um, prop this game tomorrow between Providence and Seton Hall is also the game between the two highest ranked teams in the Big East. Just wanted to throw that fun fact out there for you guys. Yeah. And hey, if the Friars win. I wonder if that's going to change. I wonder if the Friars will be the highest ranked team in the Big East. Probably not yet. Probably not yet. But one can hope one can hope. It's supposed to be when, yeah, Wednesday night, 7 p.m. on Fox Sports 1 from the Dunkin' Donut Center. 9-1 Seton Hall playing their first game in Big East to play your number 21 Providence Friars at 11-1 and 1-0 against Big East opponents hosting this one. This should be a good one. These teams split the last two seasons. So it's been a competitive series. See what happens here. We'll see who actually ends up playing. And uh, for all of us, for Joe here at The Flex, thank you for listening. I hope you had a Merry Christmas, and we'll get back to you after the game. Thank you, listeners.